Hey friends, we were never promised that life would be easy. Sometimes it is hard and super crazy, but when we do life together, we find that it becomes a lot easier and much more fun. I believe in joyful life, in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. I love to dig deep and talk about the really raw things that people are not always comfortable discussing. And I'm also passionate about sharing practical tips that have helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. We will laugh together and struggle together. You will hear honest insights on strengthening your faith and your marriage, parenthood, how to's, and so much more so that you can live life and live it with joy. I am Lindsay Maestas. Welcome to the Living Easy Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Living Easy with Lindsay. This is Lindsay Maestas, and today I am excited to talk about advice that I wish I would have taken as a new mom. So maybe you have a newborn or maybe you have a friend who has a newborn and you are wanting to know the best ways that you can help her. That is my heart behind this episode. So first I wanted to share this because there were so many things that I wish I would have known as a new mama, things that I feel like were maybe on blog posts, but you don't completely listen to or feel are extremely relevant or important. And then secondly, I was just recently talking to a mom who is pregnant with her second and she was sharing how kind of how much her life has changed since having a new baby and how much her marriage has changed since having a new baby. And so I just wanted to share a few things that might help in both of those areas and hopefully it impacts you. And in regards to hurting marriages or just kind of disconnected marriages, I did want to share with you, just in case you don't know, that I have something called The Marriage Project. The Marriage Project is a marriage course bundle that includes both The Wife Project, From Roommates to Soulmates, and The Emotional Intimacy and Physical Intimacy Project for Couples. So what The Wife Project is, is an eight-week video study that talks all about what it means to live as a godly wife. And how to deepen your faith in such a way that it has no choice but to pour out over and onto your marriage. Essentially, it is the whole focus of it. And the reason that I created and recorded it for you is because I want your faith to be so strong and your foundation to be so strong in Jesus that you feel it within your home and your home becomes a safe space, a joyful space, a thriving space, and that your marriage does as well. It also comes with a 65 plus page workbook where you can implement exactly what you're learning with prayer prompts, memory verses, actionable items and challenges that you can take to your marriage immediately, journaling pages, conversation starters, date night ideas, and so much more. It is all biblically focused. It is all intended to challenge you, maybe make you a little bit uncomfortable in the best way, and to encourage your heart to change. And then the Emotional and Physical Intimacy Project for Couples. This was a course that Jesse and I recorded together for couples. It is very, very intentionally focused for couples who want to reconnect. We talk about serving one another. We talk about the importance of being friends and strengthening that friendship within your home. We talk about parenting together, going to church together, strengthening that spiritual life together. We talk about sex and intimacy and how to strengthen every bond within the marriage so that your marriage 
thrives. So you can find the link in my show notes or on my Instagram at living easy with Lindsay at the link in my bio. And it is $100 off for both courses if you purchase it as the bundle. So if you're struggling, if you're hurting, that is exactly what these courses are for to point you back to God and to point you back to one another. Now let's jump in to advice I wish I would have taken as a new mom. So before I had my son Sutton, which was now seven and a half years ago, my first baby, which is crazy, there was so much advice given to me that I didn't listen to. I kind of felt like I was just being knocked over with a fire hose with all of the information from the books I was reading, the people I was talking to. A lot of it was kind of negative, like, oh, good luck, you know, which I just feel as moms, that's not the way to go because these are women who have babies and these babies have to come out of them. So I just want to encourage to not throw out the fear mongering or the negativity that we sometimes can just because of our own personal hardships, but instead to lift them up and build them up. And I think also it's really hard to take a lot of information when you're not yet a mom or when you're in the thick of the hardship. And so I understand if some of this is in one year, not the other, but I will be quick with it and very practical as well to help you. I wrote a lot of these actually after I had just had my second baby, Saxon, and I started really taking these pieces of advice to heart and they shifted the way that I parented and the way that I felt about how having a newborn. My joy was greater. My anxiety had lessened. And honestly, I just felt completely different with Saxon. The delivery felt different. The expectations felt different. And of course, it's because it's my second baby. But I do think there are some things that we can do to prepare so that we feel that way with our first baby. So I do want to add that after my first son, I had some severe postpartum anxiety and depression. I do have episodes about that a few episodes back. And so I know that that added to a lot of the hardship that I felt being a new mom. And I didn't experience that with Saxon, actually. I feel like my anxiety dissipated when I had him, like my hormones balanced out, which was such a God thing. But please know I'm not diminishing the power of anxiety or depression. I strongly, strongly encourage talking to a doctor and a counselor. It's something I wish I would have done if that's something that you're going through because it's very real. And if you feel like something's wrong with you and you're constantly asking yourself, what is wrong with me? Why do I feel this way? Why do I feel so disconnected? Why do I feel like I don't love my baby or I'm not attached to my baby? I would really encourage you to go and talk to somebody. So now, Number one, sleep when baby sleeps. I know you've probably heard this a million times, and I was one of those moms that said, that is not possible. There are so many things that need to get done, and that's the truth. Everything will always need to get done. And I will tell you that one thing I've learned in my 30s is that no matter how perfectly you clean your kitchen, no matter how spotless it is, it is going to be dirty again the next day. So... It's very important to realize that and to realize that you will always have a kitchen to clean. You will not always have a newborn. So it is possible to sleep when baby sleeps. Your messy house can wait. The dishes can wait. Order food in. Or if you're blessed to have parents or friends or a village nearby, ask for help, especially with bringing you meals, guys. A meal train for a new mama for yourself is an absolute dream. And one thing that I strongly encourage in regards to meal trains, whether you're hosting a meal train or whether you're the receiver of the meal train, is to ask people to place the food outside and to simply text you when it's there. 
This helps with having unwanted visitors, though you still need the help with the food and it is not selfish. It is not selfish because you're loving your babies, but it just gives you the ability to feed your family, to love on your family while still spending time with your baby and not feeling the need to share that new time with everyone else because that time will come and you will be able to invite those people over, but it doesn't need to be in the thick of the newborn exhaustion stage. And so mamas, when your baby is sleeping, it's so important to remember that your sanity relies so heavily on your sleep and your husband and your children, not to mention your own state of mind, will be blessed by your sleep. And sleep as a whole, I'm going to do a whole episode on sleep coming up shortly, but sleep as a whole is something that we really, really do not place enough importance on when it comes to our mental health. It is one of the most undervalued contributors to damaged mental health. And so with Saxon, I chose almost daily to take a nap during one of his naps. Did I feel lazy? Yes, sometimes. But you're not lazy. Even if you feel lazy, you are not lazy. You are taking care of yourself so you can better take care of your baby. And it's not always easy. I had a toddler at the time, and that was really, really hard. But I fought super hard to keep all of the naps consistent and at the same time. And that came with a schedule. That came with making sacrifices, not doing some things with friends that I wanted to at the time. But even if it's only a 20-minute cat nap, you're still getting more sleep than you would have if you didn't close your eyes and rest for just a few minutes. One trick that I learned actually is to take a shot of espresso or to drink a cup of coffee right before you fall asleep. Set an alarm for 25 minutes, giving yourself five minutes to fall asleep, 20 minutes to sleep. Some of you might be thinking, yeah, right. And I understand that's not possible for everyone, but give yourself the allotted amount that you need. But it takes 20 minutes for caffeine to actually enter your system and to start working. So by the time you wake up, you're going to be peppy, at least peppier than you would have been as the caffeine does its job. And just as encouragement, you guys, the lack of sleep is for a season and the season may last longer than you expected it to, but it will end. And while some days I still don't sleep with a seven and a five-year-old because they're scared in the middle of the night or they had an accident or they had a bad dream, whatever it might be, it feels much, much different than when I had a newborn. So keep your eyes set on the horizon. Know that you will eventually get a full night's sleep. And if you need to go to a hotel one night and get a full night's rest and have your husband or a family member take that night over for you, do not be afraid to ask for help because you're only, again, blessing your family. Number two, do not feel alone if breastfeeding is hard. I actually asked a Facebook mom group a while back what their number one piece of advice would be to new moms, and nearly all of them said that they wish they would have known how difficult breastfeeding could be. So if you're having a hard time getting your baby to latch, if your nipples are hurting or bleeding, oh my gosh, I've been there. It is so incredibly frustrating sometimes, and I just want you to know you're not alone. So my first experience with Sutton with breastfeeding was stressful, very unenjoyable. I had an oversupply and I didn't know anything about like letting down your milk before baby starts to eat or pumping a little bit beforehand. And so he would, (laughs) poor Sutton, he would basically choke on my milk as he was trying to eat. And so 
he would grow incredibly frustrated because he wanted to eat, but it was like so much that it was too much. And I was frustrated because all I wanted was for him to eat. And I knew I had a ton of milk. I was very thankful in that area that I always had a lot of milk, but it was so much that it wasn't helping him. So um, I then switched to a bottle quickly because even though I did learn how to do the letdown thing, it was still so much. And I just had to realize like, it's okay. Our bodies, for whatever reason, right now are not working together. And while I could probably get there, it is causing disconnection. It's causing frustration and it's just not necessary. And so I did, I switched to a bottle and I exclusively pumped for nine months, which let me tell you, that was one of the most exhausting things I've ever done. I feel like as soon as I finished pumping both sides, cleaned my bottles and everything, it was time to feed and then to pump again. It was extremely, extremely time consuming. Um, and then with Saxon, everything went smoothly after the first few weeks, but during the first few weeks, I was in so much pain. Jesse had to get nipple covers. He would not latch and he didn't have a tongue tie. So we went and got him checked, but they said he didn't have a tongue tie. He was just struggling to latch properly. But I remember lying on my bed and just sobbing because I was in so much pain. And that's not normal. If baby is only eating on the edge of the nipple, something is wrong. The whole areola nipple needs to be fully in their mouth. And I just wish that society did a better job to embrace the struggle that is breastfeeding and to give more resources for that rather than simply like one consultation with a lactation consultant. Um, So if you have a doula, if you have a midwife who is just amazing, take some time to really ask questions about the breastfeeding process. But just know that that expectation that society puts on moms with breastfeeding is one that is such a struggle because it causes sometimes, sometimes a lot more pain and difficulty than it causes connection and joy. And I realized, you know, with sex and like I learned to love breastfeeding, the endorphin rush, the feeling, the connection, the bond it created was amazing. And it was such a joy, but I love my son Sutton just as much. He is tall and big and strong and athletic and he didn't nurse and he eventually went on formula. And so just know fed is best. Remember that and do the best that you can, but don't allow guilt and shame to come and seep into your heart because that is from the enemy. There's also a great resource called the La Leche League. If you haven't heard of it, look into it because there's a lot of resources that I was able to use that helped. Number three, recovery is no joke. So if you're an expecting mama or a brand new mama, I think that this is one of the things that is least talked about in regards to pregnancy and delivery. Honestly, not one person warned me (laughs) that recovery was so painful. And honestly, I think this is something we don't want to talk about much because we don't want to create fear within people and within new mamas because all of this is scary enough. But I do wish I would have just had some knowledge of what it would look like. And obviously, common sense tells you, okay, your body is about to go through so much with your delivery. But I kind of believed in a weird way that once I delivered, it would all just be over and I would feel better. But when I got home and I had a vaginal delivery, it took a lot of time for me to be able to even walk comfortably. Going to the bathroom was no joke. The first day, second day, third day, I did tear. I need to share my birth stories, but I did tear. And especially with the first, it was extremely painful to go to the bathroom. 
I use that numbing spray and the water squirter thing like there was no tomorrow. (laughs) I actually asked my nurse, and I always recommend this to everybody, ask your nurse for like five numbing sprays if they're willing to give it to you. Also, padsicles. They're basically frozen pads that you'll prepare before you go to the hospital. And in them, you'll do aloe vera gel and witch hazel, and then you freeze them in the freezer. And oh my gosh, it's essentially like a popsicle pad, but it is so, so helpful for healing. And I actually, I ended up sitting on a boppy after Sutton for six weeks because I could not sit down comfortably. And also when I went to the nurse, this was something that really, really was just a lot for me to take in. I could barely walk. And I went into my doctor's appointment for my six-week checkup and she told me, you're healed. You're good to go. And I immediately thought, that's a joke. Like there's just no way. I am not ready for sex. I am not ready for anything to enter into that hole. (laughs) I'm in so much pain. There's no way. And so I gave myself two more weeks to even consider anything like that, but also knew I was definitely not completely healed. So take that with a grain of salt, listen to your body, listen to your mama intuition, and know that your body needs real time to recover and give yourself that time. And especially if you have a C-section, so many of my friends have had C-sections. There is a lot of help that is needed in that time because you're not able to lift. You're not able to get up. So make sure to prepare yourself, prepare your husband, prepare your village for the time that you're going to need some help. Number four, take a shower every day and do anything else that you need to do for yourself that makes you feel human. So this is honestly probably my most important piece of advice. No matter how hard you try, you cannot pour from an empty cup. So I took a shower maybe every four days with Sutton, which is disgusting (laughs) and that it just wasn't okay. And I felt disgusting, which is why I say that, not that it's gross to do that, but I personally just felt awful. I felt like my hair was ratty. I didn't feel human. I wasn't taking care of myself like I had before. And sometimes, let's be honest, when they're sick or colicky or spitting up, I had spit up babies, um, or they're just struggling as a whole. This may not be possible every day, but to the best of your ability, try to care for yourself in the way that you did before. So I chose every day with Saxon to take a shower, even if it was a three-minute shower. I would throw on a song, scrub, scrub, scrub. I'd put him in like the swing or the chair in the bathroom. Even if he cried, I would just go for it. And it helped so much with the way that I felt about myself, the way that I felt about a mama. And I just needed that time to breathe. And honestly, my family was so thankful for that, just knowing I wasn't extremely drained knowing I wasn't coming out of the room complaining like I feel disgusting. I don't feel like myself. I don't feel like a human. And just considering those things. What is that thing for you? Is it a shower? Is it a dirty house? Do you maybe need to hire a cleaner for the next few months? Or ask a family member to help you clean, which I know can be so hard for us women who are self-sufficient and independent. But maybe if you can't receive that gift, you tell them, hey, I'll do something for you. I'll take you out to dinner when all of this is said and done, or I'll come and help you organize your home when all of this is said and done, just so that you feel like, just so you don't allow yourself to sit in that shame or guilt. However, I strongly encourage you to receive help because this is the time to do it and people love to serve you. I always tell my friends whenever I try to serve them or gift them something, 
and they try to refuse it, I will tell them, please don't refuse my blessing because it is my blessing to give and it is a joy for me to do so. So allow other people to give that blessing to you. Number five, you and your partner do not need to both be exhausted. So again, you live and learn. And I feel like we all learn the hard way with our first babies. Um, So Jesse and I woke up together for every feeding, every diaper change, and anything that Sutton needed the first time around, which looking back, I'm like, why did I think that was a good idea? And I realized it was just kind of insane because we were so tired. And we were talking to another mom. I wish I remember who it was, but we were talking to her about it. And she said, Linz, why do you both need to be exhausted? You should be taking shifts. And so we took that advice and I would stay up for night feedings and diaper changes. And then I would go to sleep and Jesse would wake up early with the boys and would help to get them ready, fed, bathed, whatever they needed in the mornings. And it was honestly the best and most helpful thing in the world to be able to have those extra two hours in the morning while Jesse made breakfast and put on some cartoons, got Sutton ready for the day while holding Saxon, loving on him and spending his time with him. Um, And a lot of the time I would wake up at like say six o'clock and I would do my nursing because I wasn't using a bottle at that time. And then I would give him to Jesse for the next three hours. We typically would feed on a three hour schedule. And so I got those two to three hours of sleep in the morning, which was huge because if you're both worn out, not only are you going to start ripping each other's heads off because you're exhausted and frustrated, which Jesse and I did, you are going to really lose sight of everything else that is a joy within the motherhood process to just sit and be and, and hold and love on the baby because you're exhausted and worn out and tired and frustrated and frazzled. So just really, really encourage y'all to take shifts if you can. Number six, get out in the sunshine and exercise. As soon as your body is ready, this is huge. So before you're healed, you can still get outside, sit on the front porch and get in the sunshine for 15 minutes a day. This is another one of those do something for yourself things. The sunshine will make a massive difference with the vitamin D, which helps your hormones and gives you the ability to just feel like yourself. It gives you that energy that you need. And it really changes the trajectory of your day. That's one thing that I've really learned to do um, since I had Saxon actually is when I wake up in the morning to go sit outside in the sun, no sunglasses. So you're like taking that sun in. I do put some sunscreen on, but I'll just sit and I'll have my cup of coffee. I'll wear a huge robe and blanket if it's cold, but I realize how much my day changes if I just get outside for a little bit get your feet on the ground and get outside. And then whenever you're able to start taking walks, you may not be ready for like full on exercise, which I completely understand. But if you can take a quick walk around the block with the stroller every single day and make that a part of your routine, you will be so grateful for it. Now we have so many incredible resources on YouTube, even though I have two older children. I still do workouts at home. I'll do 10 minutes of Pilates, 15 minutes of sit-ups or leg workouts, whatever you need to do to make yourself feel good. And if you get interrupted by baby 10 minutes in, use your baby and squat with them, work out with them because that helps to engage their minds as well. And you're still getting that workout in. Next is the only thing constant is change. Goodness gracious. It feels like, okay, I have my baby on a routine. I have my baby on a schedule and instantly that changes. 
and it shifts to something completely different. Their sleep schedule changes, the things they want to eat changes, whether they're a toddler or a baby and they're not responding well to your milk. The only thing constant is change. And if you go into fatherhood or motherhood with a newborn with that expectation, it can be so, so effective for you. Just know things will change. And if you can be moldable, shapeable, flexible, you will enjoy your experience so much more. Next is that everyone you talk to, including myself, will have different and conflicting advice. It's guaranteed. Everything that I'm saying in this episode will be contradicted by another podcaster or another post. So just know that, that everybody has different perspectives and experiences. So you do you. You listen to yourself. You listen to your baby. You listen to your body. You rely on your husband's wisdom and knowledge in the areas that you can and do what is good for your family. As long as you're feeding changing, nurturing, and loving on your baby as much as possible, you're officially doing an incredible job. And let me just say that if you're pregnant and you're suffering and you don't have that glow, you are still an amazing mama. I hated pregnancy. (laughs) It was the worst thing for me. It was not something I enjoyed. I waited on that glow day in and day out. And all I got was a swollen nose and swollen feet and a swollen body. (laughs) and constant discomfort. So it was rough, but am I still a mama who loves her kids? Absolutely. If you are a newborn mom and you can barely open your eyes and you are agitated and frustrated, but you continue doing those hard things and you're loving on your baby the best that you can, even if it's imperfect, you are doing an amazing job. And if you have toddlers or older kids who are struggling and navigating what sin looks like and what a relationship with God looks like and discipline and obedience, and you are fighting hard so imperfectly, but you're doing the work and you're intentional and loving, you're doing an amazing job. So I just think that needs to be said way more often. I am proud of all of you and the fight that you're doing. And to the fathers listening, the same goes for you. I watched Jesse just battle day in and day out to be an amazing spouse. Um, He actually changed all of the diapers and did all of the swaddling for like the first year of both of the boys' lives. And I will forever be grateful for that because it just, it changed everything for us. Next is that postpartum depression and anxiety are real and need to be dealt with. So as I mentioned at the beginning of this, I struggled a lot with this. And I do talk about this often because I think that postpartum anxiety and depression as a whole are almost a new concept to the world of motherhood. It was always squashed and pushed aside. And if you haven't listened to my episodes, it's near the beginning of the podcast where my friend Lindsay Barnsley talked about postpartum psychosis. There's two episodes Um, that was the biggest wake up call for me because I'm like, okay, yes, I felt anxiety and depression. I kept writing them off as just me being a horrible mom. But when I listened to her story, it just woke me up to how real the neurological and hormonal shifts can be after having a baby. It is wild, just absolutely wild. And so I was about eight months postpartum before I realized I had postpartum anxiety. I had been up until that point. I genuinely just thought I was a horrible mom who was terrified of her baby, who couldn't connect with him, who felt like I just wanted him to sleep all the time because when he woke up, it gave me this sense of debilitating fear. And I had no idea why. And I even took a screening at my doctor's office about postpartum anxiety and depression. Nothing came of it, even though I answered multiple questions saying like, I am not okay. And, but I was scared to bring it up because I didn't want anything to come of it. I didn't want them to think they needed to take my baby. I just wanted a little bit of help and guidance. And so 
if you're feeling like you have baby blues, if you're overly tired and exhausted all the time, if you're afraid to be alone with your baby, if you feel anything that doesn't feel normal to you, take care of it right away. I believe that I really would have enjoyed motherhood so much more at the beginning had I spoken out about what I was feeling. And then lastly, this too shall pass. I wrote an entire post about this because I believe it so strongly and I will link it here in the show notes. And so I just want to remind you, if you have a newborn, if you have a toddler, an older child, whatever season you're in, everything changes so quickly. I'm seeing that with my oldest son. He's now just independent, wanting to be with his friends often, spending way more time like doing things outside than being with us. And it's a shift. It is an unexpected shift. And I remember moments where all I wanted was my alone time. And now I'm like, wait, come back. I, I, I want to spend time with you. Um, so it does, it just changes the exhaustion, the stress, the new role that you're in. Eventually it passes and becomes so normal to you that you can't even imagine what life was like before it. But also remember that the sweetness passes too. The hardship will fade and turn into a different kind of hard, but the sweetness also fades and turns into a different kind of sweet. The beautiful moments of cradling a baby in your arms in the middle of the night will eventually come to an end forever. And the moments of feeding your toddler foods that they throw across the floor will stop, thank goodness. And the potty training will end one day but the moments of snuggles on the couch and of needing you and brushing their hair and brushing their teeth, there will be one day where you wake up the next morning and realize you never have to do that again or they never want you to do that again. And so cling to those sweet moments as well because those too will pass. So as easy as it is sometimes to focus on the hard, and it's something that I did way too often, and I always focus on the hard. I complained. I just, I struggled. I really, really had to focus and shift my perspective on the gratitude. Thank you, Lord, for the dirty dishes because it means we have food on the table. Thank you, Lord, for the struggle of breastfeeding because it means I have a healthy baby who is able to nurse. Thank you for the struggles of navigating toddlerhood and newborn life because, Lord, it means I'm going to have children who grow up as siblings who have one another and can rely upon and love one another deeply. So just thanking God and and knowing that Jesus sees you. He sees these small moments. And this will be my final bonus point to you is that Jesus sees everything and he loves you in the thick of it all. That even in your failure, he sees you and he loves you. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. That even in the moments where you're broken and crying and overwhelmed, that he's counting those tears and holding near to you. It says that God is close to the brokenhearted and the crushed in spirit. So draw near to him as well. Cling to him in those moments. Don't compartmentalize him as a God who can only handle certain things. Allow him in to the moments of folding laundry and ironing your clothes and washing your pumping materials and the plates and the dirty dishes. Let him in to those small moments. Request his presence. Ask for him to be near to you in the moments when it's difficult. Ask him to give you a grateful heart, to fill your heart with the Holy Spirit, and to replace that struggle of complaining or ungratefulness with a heart of gratitude that comes from God alone. He sees you and he loves you and you are not alone in this. The struggle is real, you guys. The struggle is real and it's hard. And some days you're going to wake up and feel like I do not feel like a human until one o'clock in the afternoon. 
but this too shall pass. So cling tightly as you can to those moments, but also ask for a lot of help and do not feel guilty for taking a mama day every single week to have alone time for an hour or three where it's just you in your car, blasting music, strolling target, whatever you need to do to feel human because it makes you a better mama. I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week.